Digital therapeutics are projected to be a $50 billion market in a few short years. I'm Jeff Stewart of Cineos Health Consulting. This is the first of two episodes with the senior leadership of Click Therapeutics, the developer of Clickatine for smoking cessation and a deep pipeline of prescription digital therapeutics. On today's episode, I'm joined by Michael Sarshot of Cineos Health and Austin Spire, Chief Strategy Officer of Click. Digital therapeutic commercialization next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Austin Spire, Michael Sarshad, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Michael is obviously with Cineos Health. He's been on the program before with the consulting group. Austin Spire, you are Chief Strategy Officer for Click Therapeutics. I don't know that everyone who is in pharma knows Click Therapeutics. Do you mind giving us just a brief overview of what Click Therapeutics is and what makes it different from a traditional pharma company or the same as a traditional pharma company? Click Therapeutics specializes in software as prescription medicine. So that means that we develop mobile applications as medical treatments. In many ways, we take a biotech-like approach to software. So we take our software applications through quality systems, through randomized controlled trials, through FDA registration, and then they are available to patients only through prescription by their healthcare provider. So not the same problems of manufacturing that many biotechs run into because the manufacturing is different. It's a different software production, but from the clinical side, very similar. You have to do a clinical trial. You have to show efficacy. I'm gathering safety is not that big a deal. Do you even measure safety? We do measure safety. We take it very seriously. Obviously, we won't run into the same kind of unexpected toxicity signal or any kind of safety signal that could potentially derail the program. But we do take the patient's needs, their cybersecurity and data privacy all very seriously as part of the process. No, very good. And then, Michael, you've been working with digital therapeutics for the last couple of years, is my understanding. I know I've done some work with different digital therapeutics clients. Do you just want to give us a really quick, what is a digital therapeutic for those that are less familiar with digital therapeutics? Digital therapeutics are essentially anything that can be used by a healthcare provider that use either a software, a mobile app, a website, or other kind of technology to help complement some existing treatment and treat a disease or condition. It often works pretty well in chronic conditions or conditions where you need to change some type of behavior. So a lot of CNS, CNS conditions in particular, they work well in conjunction with that. And honestly, taking that a step up is a prescription digital therapeutic, right? A PDT. And that's something that really has evidence-based proven clinical efficacy that are typically approved by a regulatory authority for the management of a specific condition. And I think that's really the next wave of where the industry is headed. And what we're starting to see is a forefront currently is going to become table stakes in a few years out for all pharma companies. Yes, and we'll talk next time with the chief medical officer of Click Therapeutics and understand more of the clinical side. Today, we'll focus on the commercial side of the business. So there's a white paper, and we'll link to it in the show notes about different flavors of digital therapeutics. Do you mind just, and both of you are co-authors on it, so tell us a little bit more about digital therapeutics, and then we'll get into what it means on the commercialization side. As a new category of medicine, it's often hard to know where to start with digital therapeutics. So the goal of the white paper is to really break down 
various entry points for where digital therapeutics can add value and ways to think about how to integrate them into a brand strategy. And that covers everything from portfolio development planning, clinical development, to commercialization and access and lifecycle management. So the name of the paper is 10 Ways to Optimize and Accelerate Brand Performance Using Prescription Digital Therapeutics. And in the paper, we cover the different life cycle stages of a product. And then we really get into the different ways you can utilize digital products in particular to optimize that brand, whether that be a companion application, a combination therapeutic, or a complementary therapeutic. The one thing I thought was the most interesting, or at least I wasn't expecting it, was that there was a benefit for a pharma manufacturer. I understood the products in isolation. It's a product. It's regulated similarly to pharmaceuticals. It has similar clinical evidence requirements once we get past, obviously not the toxicity issues, but you have to show it works. It has to be efficacious for the FDA to authorize it. I don't understand why a pharma company wants to, and forgive me, it just sounds like it complicates things to bring in digital. So help me to understand why a pharma company needs to be thinking digitally. Yeah, it's a great question. And The best way to think about it is to take on the perspective of the patient. I think, as Michael said earlier, digital therapeutics will become table stakes. In many ways, prescription digital therapeutics are the form that that will take. And that's because if you picture yourself as a patient a few years from now, five years from now, it will be totally standard for you to go in to see your physician and describe whatever problem or situation you're having, and then to have that physician recommend to you your treatment options. And historically, they've really been limited mostly to pharmacotherapy. But in this future in which digital therapeutics are widely available, validated as as safe and effective treatments, it makes intuitive sense for that physician to offer both a digital solution, a pharmacotherapy, as well as potentially a combination therapy that integrates both into one holistic experience for the patient. And the question is not so much if that will happen, but rather when it will happen and who will be the manufacturers or the visionaries really implementing it and making it occur. And in many ways, we see that as being pharma. It's a great question, right? What does a manufacturer see as a benefit of these digital therapeutics or prescription digital therapeutics? There are a couple to keep in mind. One, this is definitely a new way to engage with the patient and keep the patient engaged. And that's something that you know we know as manufacturers, pharma companies, we always want to try and get closer to the patient as much as possible for a multitude of reasons. And another one is we want to learn from them, right? We want to understand what are their behaviors? What are they struggling with within a therapeutic area or disease? What are their challenges? And what are the unmet needs that they have that we can help with over time? The second one is data. We know that data is king. We're in a completely new era where data drives insights and everything around us. And these therapeutics really allow pharma companies to have rich, robust, real-world data that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to collect and understand. The third one is, which is often overlooked, but really one of the biggest benefits is payers. And digital therapeutics really allow payers to understand and see the therapeutics and the value of therapeutics, and especially therapeutics in combination with drug therapies in particular, they're able to see behavior changes and some of the things that aren't necessarily transparent when you're conducting a clinical trial for just a drug by itself. And so having these additional markers and additional ways 
of evaluating patient behavior really helps the manufacturer at the end. I mean, I see on that last one that it could, in theory, one would think that a payer should want this. They would want this. I must admit, Michael, I'm skeptical that they do want it because they don't even integrate at times their medical side of the business with their pharmacy side of the business. They don't know really what kind of medical savings, except for some companies that famously like Optum, that are very good at figuring out those things or Kaiser, where they have all the information. The left hand doesn't even know what the right hand is talking about when we're talking about medical benefits. So I'm a little skeptical on the digital side and adding more data that they're going to, but obviously the world changes at some point. So it's clear that that's where one has to go eventually. Yeah, you're 100% right. I'll tell you this. I was at Assembia the other week and this actually came up. This is the large payer meeting. Yeah, very large payer meeting happens once annually. And this came up as a big topic. And many payers are now starting to reconsider. And a few of them are putting together things like a technology assessment committee who will come forward and evaluate these technologies on a once monthly basis or so on and so forth in order to understand the value of it. I think to your point, It's so new that they don't really know what to do with it. They don't know how to value it, but they're really putting parameters together on, okay, what are the outcomes? What's the value? What's the coverage? What's the credentialing process? Because we don't want to accept just any app. You're dealing with sensitive patient data. They want to make sure that this is safe and provides privacy for patients. But payers are really starting to think about this in a different way. So we to return back to the development and making a drug better? Why does pharma want to be in digital therapeutics or prescription digital therapeutics for the drugs they have in development? The question that I start asking, and I'm curious to hear what you see as an answer to this, Austin, is how do we tell as a manufacturer that it's the right time or the right point in which we would go in and say, now is the time that we need to consider enhancing our product with a digital therapeutic. And I'll give you what my naive answer is, and you can tell me I'm wrong, or you can confirm I'm right, is that phase two, if you don't hit it by phase two, it's not really likely to get into your clinical trial protocol. So you need to hit it at phase two. If you're on the market, maybe you can do a phase four and show some enhancement. But those are the two insertion points I see. Do you see something different? And it really could be all things or all people? Or have I kind of hit the pain points? It's never too early or too late, to be honest. I think the phase two milestone that you highlighted is a key one, but there are certainly others along the way. Like I think even early on in the planning process, you can start to look at individual digital mechanisms of action that might be synergistic with your molecule and start to plan that at the early R&D stage. So in the same way that you're testing drug candidates, you might be testing digital MOA candidates in that same therapeutic area. And similarly, on the back end, perhaps a drug is towards the end of its life cycle and you're looking for new ways to explore how to add value to it. In that case, digital therapeutics integrate very seamlessly into life cycle management. Now, back to like the original spirit of your question around clinical development and moving into phase three, I do think that kind of pre-phase two is a key decision point as to whether or not you want to integrate it into your launch version of your new molecule potentially as a combination product, for example. I know we promised that we would talk about the clinical with the chief medical officer. We'll reserve some of that. We'll talk more about the commercial side of the business 
there, I'm also curious what you both think about what a digital company needs to know about pharma commercialization. If you're a digital therapeutic company and you're looking to work with pharma, what do you need to know about pharma that if you're good at programming might not be so obvious? The number one thing is, and you brought this up a little bit, Austin, we talk about incorporating this in life cycle management. We think that something like this really can be table stakes for any of your brand planning within pharma companies, right? Understanding how can digital help increase the value of your asset. I think that the biggest challenge is one, what's the cost in the time to market? And how do we frame that up with the lifecycle exclusivity of the product that we have in mind? And how do we demonstrate the value of this when we're trying to pitch ideas to senior leadership to gain funding? I think that's the biggest challenge is how do you elucidate what that value is that the drug, brand, patient are all going to get from something like this, whereas some of the things, the value isn't as easily seen as some of the other tactics, I would say, within brand planning. And what are you seeing, Austin? You've been in this field for a while, and Click Therapeutics is certainly a known entity in it. What are you seeing as what you found out about pharma that wasn't what was expected? What did you learn about pharma as a pharma commercialization that maybe isn't obvious to a software company? It's a different field. There's a lot that we can learn from pharma commercialization. And one thing that we have learned through our experiences, through our existing pharma partnerships even, is to really appreciate all the various stakeholders and the importance of having really deep relationships with prescribers, with health systems, with policymakers, and bringing all those together into a cohesive way so that you can have a way to launch a product that's as easy and seamless as possible for each of those various audiences. From the software world, we often get a bit focused on the immediate user, the person who's interfacing with the software. But the picture is actually much larger than that. You know, that brings it to a really interesting question, I think. As you think about it now, as you've gotten more into the market, do you view the end user, the patient, often as being the buyer? Or is the end user actually making the buying decision? Who's making the buying decision? I'd like to sort of break that down into two parts. When we think about designing our product, it's always about the patient. So the patient always comes first, and we are highly iterative in our process uh, of how we design our software together with patients to make sure that that's the case. Uh, and that's because we think at the core of any successful digital therapeutic is something that we call the digital working alliance. And that's where we've really built a bond with the patient, and they trust our digital therapeutic to the extent that they want to work together with it towards the same common therapeutic goals. So in that case, the patient is always the customer. I'd say secondarily, there is this very practical element of distribution, of onboarding, of all of the sort of technical aspects of getting the digital therapeutic in the patient's hands. In that case, we work closely with health systems, with payers, with prescribers to make sure that that process is as seamless as possible. And then what have you learned about how you navigate these? It sounds like there are multiple buyers and multiple decision makers. That's not clean. It's a cleaner process, maybe even not to go down the prescription digital therapeutic route, leave in the pure digital basis, and just focus on patients and making sure your patients are served well 
and not worry about other potential stakeholders. Do you see going down the prescription route as being what you have to do as opposed to something that is an advantage for you to be on? Yeah, it's a provocative and I think very important question. And I think the answer is that, yes, you do need to go down that prescription digital therapeutic pathway if you want to achieve the same level of impact and same level of scale as pharmacotherapies or biological therapies. And that's because our health system is set up to evaluate new technologies that make therapeutic claims. It's not the first time a new technology or new therapeutic category has come along. We've seen introduction of technologies like advanced diagnostics, gene therapy like CAR-T. And our health system has ways of evaluating whether or not a technology is adding value and whether it's effective for patients. And so prescription digital therapeutics tap exactly into that system and allow us to demonstrate that these therapies are delivering value. And in order to do that, we do have to hold those products up to a higher biotech-like standard of development and evidence generation. Well, this has been a great discussion. I've certainly learned more about commercialization of the digital therapeutic space. Final question. Where do you see the future going in the next five years? I work in market access, so I have a point of view that market access has been at an inflection point. It is changing to where digital therapeutics are getting their own formularies, and that's a very important step to getting reimbursement and review being more consistent across payers. Where do you see on the commercialization side things changing? Yeah, I think what we will see in the next few years is the arrival of what we call PDT 2.0, really the second generation of prescription digital therapeutics. And these are therapies that took a more biotech-like approach. They're a bit more systematic, a bit more rigorous, and they are launching with evidence packages that are in many ways like what you would see with a new drug. And once payers are able to see the value that these therapies bring, and have that evidence available from the start of the availability of these products, I think you'll start to see some real blockbusters in the space that shift perceptions and can drive the change in coverage and policy that will really unlock this category. And then, Michael, you get the final word. Thanks. Well, I'll end it with just a couple of quick stats. Digital therapeutics are projected to be a $50 billion industry by 2025, which is only a few years away. And we've had, you know, nearly 40 approved since 2015, but that's really going to skyrocket, as Austin mentioned. And the second piece I'll mention is there's legislation currently out there called the Access to Prescription Digital Therapeutics Act of 2023. And the legislation is really evaluating and trying to expand Medicare coverage to include prescription digital therapeutics. And that just shows you once something like that gains traction and potentially passes the industry is really going to explode. And I think that's where being at the forefront is really going to reward you in the end. Well, this has been a great conversation. Michael Sarshad of Cineos Health, Austin Spire, Chief Strategy Officer of Click Therapeutics. Thank you so much for joining me on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for having us. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab 
to life.